Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Jack Hoffman. For nearly 31 years, Tico Steakhouse has been a staple for fine dining in Jackson, Mississippi. I would like to invite you to come experience our family tradition of our hospitality, sizzling steaks, and healthy poured beverages. East County Lime Road in Ridgeland, 601-956-1030. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries. It's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Today, well, it's about time. I spent a Mississippi minute or so with my man, Charlie Ross. He has a storied history, and I'm looking forward to chatting with him about all he's accomplished in his life and career and continues to do so in the name of the arts. Inducted into the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame this year, he performed back in the day on American Bandstand, the Mike Douglas Show, among other primetime network events. I mean, come on. He wakes us up in the mornings down here in the Delta with his voice, and his energy is infectious. Please welcome a true artist and all-around really good man, Charlie Ross. Hey, Charlie. Hey, uh, are you talking to me? <laughs> you like how this the shoe is on the other foot? I'm loving this. Just FYI. Well, hey, number one, let me thank you, Steve Azar. Uh, man, this is a pleasure, and and I'd like to welcome you to the Telesouth family, my friend. It's so much fun, man. I just I'm having what just had what started off as a casual conversation uh, with Kim Dillon and Steve Davenport, and us just ended up. You know, I I, I tell everybody I noticed this the most when I t- I interviewed my fathers on Father's Day for Father's Day uh, week. There were so many things I didn't know about him because I listened for the first time in my life. You know, as artists, Charlie, we're being asked questions all the time. And you, you being on the radio side of it, you got to flip that years ago. And uh, But there was a time when you were being asked all the questions. And it's just good to be a listener for a change. So I, I've enjoyed that. I've, I've listened to some of the past interviews and go, I need to shut up more. <laughs> and so so I'm learning. <laughs> so anyway, but listen, I appreciate you taking this time. And uh, I'm excited about just learning more about your history. Obviously, I was a kid growing up when you moved back and uh, and just really admired everything that you did and your energy on stage and your wonderful voice. And I want to go back to the past. Growing up, uh, you had a group of guys that you were working with you guys made a lot of history so take me back to the young charlie ross well you're still young but you know what i mean young at yeah, young right. at age not hard <laughs> you're right man uh okay i'm gonna take you back to when i was in high school let's Green go high school about 1965 66 i didn't put this band together nolan branton uh from greenville put this band together called the phantoms and uh in that band uh was nolan of course bruce blackman don skinner 
Charles Rickard, and myself. And we played locally. We played uh, after all the football games and uh, played a lot of college dates and very few clubs because we weren't really old enough to, to, to get into the clubs. But uh, back in the day, you could kind of bully your way into a club if you knew the club owner. So uh, anyway, after high school, the Phantoms evolved. We, uh, we went down to the coast one summer down uh, at Biloxi Gupport. And we started playing a little music down there in a place called the Biloxi Hotel. And, and we became pretty, we got pretty good at it. We started having a crowd and stuff like that. So then uh, the guy who owns the Biloxi Hotel, his brother, owned another club called the Vapors right there on Highway 90. And so they sent us down to the Vapors. And we got to perform, you know, an hour at a time, and we'd play about five hours a night. And right. we, we alternated <laughs> with Little David and the Giants from Laurel, Mississippi. Hmm. And we evolved into a group called Eternity's Children. And uh, in that particular band... Was that a hippie to, day there? Were you guys in the hippie days with oh, Eternity's Children? Oh, heck yeah, Children? man. Long hair, bell bottoms, I love it. white boots. <laughs> awesome. All, all that kind of stuff, man. But anyway, uh, Nolan Branton had to, had to leave and come back home to his, his pecan farm. And so it was uh, me, Bruce Blackman, yeah. the new drummer, Roy Whitaker, Johnny Walker from Greenville. Right. And uh, later on, we hired Linda Lawley. She was from the coast, uh, a girl singer. And boy, was she, did she have some pipes. And she was just terrific. She's since passed away. And, and uh, I miss her every day because we used to talk quite frequently. But anyway, that's, that's how it all started right there, Steve. Well, we're talking to Charlie Ross. Uh, Charlie, so were you guys playing cover tunes and mixing in originals? When did all the writing start? Yeah, well, actually, Bruce was doing a lot of, a lot of songwriting back in those days. And, yes, we were doing cover tunes, but we were doing tunes. Uh, we had a, had a great vocal group. I mean, between Linda and myself and Bruce and, and Johnny Walker, we did a lot of stuff vocally, and we did stuff that – wasn't maybe popular, but we'd go back and dig out some old Fifth Dimension LPs and listen to some of that stuff and and put our own twist to it. You know what I'm saying? And I, I uh, love it. Yeah, and uh, it just it, the singing was just incredible. I mean, if you ever get a chance to to maybe hit the uh, internet and check out Eternity's Children, man, you'll see what I'm talking about. Now we're gonna probably play it on this show. Is what we're gonna do. Um, as my producer Will is editing right now. Uh, you guys are hearing my man Charlie Ross. We got to play it. We got to find it and play it. Hey, Charlie. So musically, back in that day, what 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 years are we talking? We're talking uh, 1965, 66, 67, okay. 68. The 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 actual uh, the artists that were back here that, that that were in this area in Mississippi in general in the Delta was it just was it. A lot of you guys, was it just like, you know, because I always hear about that era and so much talent and were there venues to play or when did all that happen? Because there were so many when I was a little boy, you know, down down in this whole area, down on Washington Avenue in Maine. And mm -hmm. and so when did all of that start and, and were there other bands that were breaking out of here? Well, uh, yeah, there, there was a there was a group that we got actually Johnny Walker. Uh, was involved in called the Lancers, and uh, Johnny, uh, and they were they were pretty hot man at the time, and we got Johnny to come along with us, and and uh, actually when we went to the coast, we kind of got spoiled. 
uh, Steve, if you know what I'm saying, because they were in the Delta, there just were not a, a lot of places for us to go play. Right, that's what I was asking. Okay. Yeah, and so we went to the coast, and down there, uh, all kind of people from Louisiana and Alabama and Florida, they would come to the club, and, and of course, we would play the club every night. Mm-hmm. Then we'd get, uh, you know, some single bookings for some private parties and things like that, and the club owner was nice enough to let us out of that so we could go make some extra money because we weren't getting rich playing every night. Oh, that's cool. That's you know cool. what I'm saying? Yeah. So he kind of let us do that, and we did that, and we started playing uh, a lot over in Louisiana. And uh, we'll get into that in just you, a little bit. If you, if you no, want I, I, I don't know. we got plenty. we got a Mississippi Minute. You know how long that takes. Sure, you, man. Nobody <laughs> knows more than you do. Hey, so I guess Biloxi at the time was sort of a, a breeding hotbed, like places where people were coming, you had audiences, you could build a following, and then all of a sudden it got contagious. You get people to see you, and all of a sudden they ask you. I mean, I remember the story with us. I mean, we got to the point where somebody would see us here, and they'd, they'd book us there. I mean, uh, so it must. So that was the place, huh? That was for us, it was. And you had a lot of great musicians from, from like Meridian. Uh, Chris Etheridge uh, was a bass player. Uh, he played at a place down on the coast called Gus Stevens, mm-hmm. uh, and he later on he he played he was uh, a founding member of the Flying Burrito Brothers. Oh wow, man! Yeah, uh, yeah I had a good friend uh, that's passed away that booked them for many years, uh, and uh, he loved them. I mean, I got to meet some of those guys years and years ago when I first went to Nashville. It was like ninety one or ninety two, uh-huh. and uh, they were good guys. We're talking to Charlie Ross. What about, like, when was Joe Frank Corolla with Hamilton, Joe Frank, and Reynolds? When did that all go down? That went down uh, in the 70s. Of course, you know, uh, Joe Frank, I think for all of us uh, that came up in my era, he, he, had, he had a hot band, man. He had a horn band back in those days called Joe Frank and the Knights. That was one of the inspiring things that made me want to play music was Joe Frank. And, uh, wow. and he's still doing well and and and. and don't pull your love and all that kind of stuff came yeah. out around seventy five. Oh, okay, okay, all right, wonderful. I mean, this, you know, I think about I think about the talent that came from here, and uh, you talk about Bruce Blackman, and we're going to talk about you guys and and where you took it um, to places that uh, you know it's amazing. I just started started to pay attention and read about so many of the things that you guys did and i was going like charlie never told me that you know he just never mentioned it now i knew you had chart success and i knew you were doing making that that same run out of nashville and then la but we're going to get into american bandstand and mike douglas and all that and what that felt like to do that because you're talking about three channels on the tv you're talking about you know i got to meet dick clark in the acm awards uh because his product his it was dick clark productions has always put it on sure. and i got to meet him before we, but you know many many years ago but uh but to do american bandstand i mean growing up I mean, you, you broke wide open when you were on that show, and I want to dig into that in the next version, our next portion of our Mississippi Minute. We're with Charlie Ross. I've got him on the other side of the microphone, and uh, I hope he's enjoying it. You're in Mississippi Minute. Stand by.
I'm Steve Azar. We are with the voice of the Delta. When I wake up in the morning, I bounce around from my super talk man, Paul Gallo, and he's preaching it, man. And then I and then I bounce around back to Charlie Ross, and he's playing playing music that just makes you feel good. Hey, Charlie, take tell me real quick musically. Do you program all that yourself? Yeah. Well, yes, we do. Uh, you know, and. Uh, and what I try to do too, Steve, and you know this is well is, is better than anybody, because not only do I go back to the '60s, '70s, and '80s, but you'll hear Steve Azar I know when I'm playing I in love the morning. For that. And I, any local artist that I feel like will fit what we're doing, right? And nothing does it any better than I don't have to be me till Monday. <laughs> <laughs> no, that just, that's a great Friday song, by the way. Seemed to work out. <laughs> and but anyway, you know, any local artist that I feel like. It, 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 it fits what we're doing, and it's really good. Yeah. We play that. So. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm one. I'm one of the local artists that did the same thing you did. So we all we all ventured out, and and we had some sweet victories, and we got the stew beat out of us, and and all, everywhere in between. And it, it's our business, you know. And so uh, take okay. Let's jump back now, you guys. How in the heck do you end up on American Bandstand? Who signs you? Uh, you did you go out to L.A. Uh, you know, take me through it. I got to okay. know. Well, I'm going to tell you. Here's how it happened. Uh, we were playing on the coast and uh, at the Vapors yep. in uh, Biloxi. And we're playing one night, and uh, this guy from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, comes up to me and says, Hey, I'm Ray Roy, and I own some health clubs in, uh, <laughs> in Baton Rouge. And my partner and I would be interested in talking to you guys. Excuse me, and maybe signing you to a, a, a contract. And so we all got together and we said, "Hey, why not?" <laughs> so we picked up, uh, left the vapors, in, you know, in, under good conditions. Didn't right. make anybody mad, and because uh, you never know when you have to go back, you know. What I'm no, saying? no, 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 no. And uh, anyway, we moved to Baton Rouge, and these two guys, we started laying down some tracks at a local studio. Uh, in Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. and uh, just some, uh, you know, we even we even did a vocal version of "A Taste of Honey" by Herb Albert, wow. and uh, that was really good. Johnny Walker, he sang the daylights out of that song, and we just cut a lot of tracks, and they took them out to L.A. and had some meetings with uh, various record companies, and wound up at Capitol Records. And they the, sent them the up. Capitol Record, right? The big old building, the big yeah, the old big old round building looks yeah. like a record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they sent him up on the fourth floor, which was Tower Records, hmm. uh, a subsidiary of Capitol. And uh, a guy named Eddie Ray uh, signed us signed us to a contract, and we uh, we all went up to Capitol Records, and they had some photos done, you know, in their studio and stuff like that, and. and uh, the Mrs. Bluebird, which Bruce Blackman wrote, right. came out, and we started doing some uh, promotional stuff at radio stations in the southeast. We're going to stations. Okay, we got to back it. up for a second. You got to stop oh. right there because I'm just a little bit upset because I've sat in that place for like hours. Almost got arrested back in my day when I was a teenager. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, we did it all, man. I'm telling you, whatever it took, it took me forever. And obviously, there was a little bit of early developing, developing with you guys than it was with me. But, but 
please tell me which you just you're going to tell me that guys that weren't in the record business that were in the health club business whatever that was you go to baton rouge and then they just whip on over to capitol records they get a meeting they get to the fourth floor and you guys get signed like that yeah well well no i mean they actually went to uni records they uh, they went to 20th Century Records. Yeah, tell they, me, they got like a thrown out of thrown out a few. Yeah, times they got we, they got thrown out of okay, uh, good. About, about six uh, labels. Fantastic. And finally, somebody at Capitol, whoever <laughs> they got to, uh, sent him up on the fourth floor, and Eddie Ray said, "Wow, he played this this album that we had recorded out in uh, at, at a studio in Dallas, Texas, and we did all of that, Bruce and uh, we. And matter of fact, the producers of that album." were a guy named Kurt Betcher and Keith Olson. Mm-hmm. Kurt Betcher produced everything by the association. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And Keith Olson, I met him at the Vapors. He played there. He played bass guitar for a group called, uh, oh, they had a song called Talk Talk, uh, The Music Machine. Mm-hmm. And they got together, and, man, they... And of course, Keith went on later to produce everything that Fleetwood Mac had. Oh so yeah, yeah. Those yeah. guys, they produced the album. Uh, Eddie Ray signed us. They put it out, and in an effort to help, of course, all the guys at Capitol Records promoted everything that Tower had. Right. All the promotion guys, and they had guys all over the South and New Orleans and all. And our job was to go with those guys, yeah. and. Sit down and talk to the uh, music directors and uh, do whatever it take, took to 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 get our record played. Yeah, that never changed, except for except for the fact that uh, it seems like the people you were going to see could really do something. You know, when 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 radio got de- deregulated, what do you got deregulized? What is it called? De- Dere- deregulated, yeah. Deregulated, right? When it when that happened, you know, it opened the door for the you know for big conglomerates to o- own a bunch of different formats in the same market. Before you couldn't, they would if they loved something, they would just play it. Well, then when in my time you had to go get approval and approval. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, mostly, so. So that was the difference, and I love. I bet it was an exciting time to see a music director love something and go, "I'm playing it." Yeah, and you know, and they and while we were there at the station, well, matter of fact, Mrs. Bluebird broke in New Orleans. A uh, guy named Buzz Bennett, who's a program director at WTIX in New Orleans, right? He busted it wide open. Uh, it went like number one on ticks, and they sold a bunch of records yeah. out of New Orleans, and. Uh, then it caught on, and, and, and here's the thing, Steve, and you maybe know more about this than I do, but the, the, the song actually only made it up to number 69 in the charts, national charts. Right. But it was a bigger radio airplay record than it, was, than it showed in the charts. Right. Radio but stations was loved it, top, it because it sounded good. <laughs> was, right. No, no, I love that. Was it a top 20 record as far as in the radio charts? Yeah, radio stations wherever it was played, it was killing. At least got into the top twenty and top fifteen in yeah. a lot of places. Yeah, and that's what did it. Now, is that what got you guys on American Bandstand, or was it another song? Absolutely, it was uh, when the song came in the charts. I think it came in at like uh, uh, number ninety with a bullet. Dick Clark wanted us to be on his show. 
American Bandstand. So we went to L.A. You know, and I'm being from Greenville, Mississippi. Bruce is from Greenville. Johnny's from Greenville. Uh, Roy Whitaker went to Delta State. I mean, my goodness, man. You know, and uh, we're sitting around here and saying, man, look at these buildings. I'm waving the flag right now. I'm so excited. The Greenville flag. Man, look at all this. And then we're at ABC Studios in the parking lot out there, you know, just kind of messing around until we had to go on. And uh, we see this big, beautiful car. It's yellow, convertible. Anyway, we get over there. In California, they had these things around the steering wheels that showed who the car belonged to. We jumped up on the side there, and he said, Dick Clark. I said, wow, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You nervous a little bit? You got up there? or, or and what we, I need to know what you were wearing. You got to remember what you wore on American Bandstand. Oh, man, yeah. I was wearing some striped bell bottoms with a uh, <laughs> kind of a western cut shirt with a, uh, uh, a little neck thing around it. Uh, blue and white. Blue and red, or something like that. But anyway, that's yeah. That was. I've got a DVD of it, man. I'll be glad to show it to oh, you. I gotta see it. This is just. It's just. Well, you now you probably can find it online. I mean, this, they probably have every American bandstand that was ever, ever made. I guess. But but yeah, it's, it's out there somewhere. I'm sure. But uh, actually, Linda Lawley's husband. Uh, I don't know how he did it. He lived out in L.A., but he he got that that for us and she sent it to me as a christmas present one year and i said how wow that's pretty cool that is just amazing well the feeling of doing that and then mike douglas it comes after on the hills of yeah it came it came uh you know probably a month and a half after that so y'all were rolling yeah and we see what we were doing too uh if you got a minute (laughs) we were we were actually uh back in the day back in those days back in the 60s uh big huge radio stations like WFIL in Philadelphia, uh, WQAM in Miami, WHBQ in Memphis, all these music stations, uh, would, uh, their jocks would have sock hops. And they would, they would want an artist to come do that, an artist that was uh-huh. playing on their radio station. So we would go do that, and we did all of that for free. Yeah, of course you did. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. yeah, these guys were nice enough to play our records. So this is pay for one of play, our baby. To, to, yeah. <laughs> Well, back in the day, I think they called it payola, but yeah, there was yeah, no yeah. money exchanged hands yeah. at all. So uh. We're talking to great Charlie Ross. I'm just so excited. I can't believe he's still up because <laughs> usually, you know, you're, you're, on the sh- you're on the air what time to what time exactly? Six to nine, Monday yeah, through Friday. It's yeah. amazing you get up. I mean, I, right now you should be like in the middle of a deep sleep, and I appreciate <laughs> you spending a Mississippi minute with me. Charlie, you get to play, you get to play DJ like you do from six to nine, and uh, you get to you know, we're the birthplace of American music. Nobody knows it any more better than you. So would you like to hear a little Little Milton or Conway Twitty? Give me a little Little Milton, man. I like that. Oh, you got it. You got it. We got it. Little Little Milton. Uh, we're with the great Charlie Ross. He's awake. He's not sleeping. My goodness, and you're in Mississippi Minute. We're going to be right back. And Mona Lisa was a man. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. You don't close your eyes when we kiss. Your touch has lost its tenderness. I'm Steve Azar. We are with the soulful singing machine, Charlie Wall, Charlie Ross, wow. Charlie Ross, Charlie Ross. Hey, yes, 
I'm starting to get tongue-tied. All right, so Charlie, okay, recent Louisiana Hall of Fame, Music Hall of Fame, uh, you get a call. Uh, that's an amazing, that's, that's just really, you realize, you think about Mississippi, Arkansas, Alabama, and, uh, and Louisiana. You think about the music that's come out. It's so deserving, but you know, tell me about the call and when did you find out? We uh, we found out about it uh, in August, and uh, Mike Shepard, who is the director and one of the founding fathers of the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame, uh, gave me a call and said, "Hey, man, we're we're doing it. We're inducting you guys into the uh, Louisiana Music Hall of Fame." And I said, "Get out of town, man." <laughs> We worked so long down there in in, in, uh, Louisiana. I mean, we did Baton Rouge, New Orleans, New Iberia, Lafayette, all that area, man. And uh, I told him, uh, he said, when are you coming to town? I said, I'm coming uh, to to the uh, Louisiana, uh, the LSU-Mississippi State game. He said, fantastic. He said, can we get together? I said, you bet we can. And so I went down there. we, uh, We went to the game, and after the game, the next morning, Mike met me uh, in, in the in the coffee shop downtown. I mean, downstairs, and he presented me with a beautiful plaque for Eternity's Children uh, induction into the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame. And I'm gonna tell you what, Steve, you know that was just like that was just like winning an Oscar, man. You know what I'm saying? Well, it is. It really is. You know, I mean, I just. That's just so it's just so well deserved and and it's great to get those honors like when in another you know you know we we've been doing it a long time and so anytime that you can be awarded something especially on your home turf you know turf that you that you developed on it's yeah. just really cool you know it's a feeling that I wish I, you know it's just a wonderful feeling you know uh, well you know, and I got to tell you, man, you're giving me all these accolades, but folks, let me tell you about Steve Azar. It ain't about me. Well, I know it ain't, but about, but I got to say that, man, you're a great ambassador for the state of Mississippi, well, and I appreciate everything you do, man. Uh, and so does everybody else in the state of Mississippi. I'm just following your footsteps. I, I feel, <laughs> I'm not gonna get. I don't want you to get mad at me and get in trouble. <laughs> no, sir. Hey. Never get mad at you, Steve. Oh, I love it. Okay, so when did all the Okay, before we get to radio, because which is what you've been doing so much of, and then the Cracker Jacks. I mean, I want to get into all of that and where all the vision for the Cracker Jacks came because, I mean, it's been going a long time, man, and people, you've entertained people from all over the place, you guys. But you went after L.A. and after the band breaks up, right? Yep. What caused the band to break up? Uh, Bruce goes on, obviously, to have hits. Uh, what caught, with Starbuck, right? Yep, it was Starbuck with... Uh, he wrote uh, and sang uh, "Moonlight Feels Right." Seems like Starbucks coffee should use that as their theme song. What's going it should. on? Should they should, man? <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't get sued over the name, though. <laughs> or he should sue them. Yeah, <laughs> he probably you're using my name. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, so well, they got an apostrophe s on it or something. So I think they they probably got it. Hey, so what happens to the band? Well, the band uh, they got disenchanted with the managers and didn't want to be a part of it anymore and. Uh, they hated them, and so they just decided to... Uh, we were right in the middle of doing our second album right. in Bakersfield, California, man. And uh, uh, Bruce and Roy, uh, we were going into the session the next morning, and boom, no Bruce and Roy. They checked out, man. Oh, man. And uh, they busted up. But we finished, we finished our second album uh, in Bakersfield. And I 
to the best of my knowledge, uh, it was never released in America, but it was released in Canada. Right. Okay. So no, you didn't text them and say, "Come on back to the studio" or call them on your on well, your cell phone. Yeah, try, you know, we didn't back in those days. We didn't have cell phones, man. So <laughs> you just had to look out the back door and say, "Hey guys, you coming back?" Or what? <laughs> Think about how hard it was to communicate back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I kind of wish it was like that back then, and to be be good not to be able to communicate a lot of times. <laughs> We've but okay. So you guys break up. Okay, Charlie, when do you go solo? Well, actually, I did some of that uh, back while I was in Eternity's Children. The, the, those, the same managers wanted me to do some solo stuff, and I did. And, of course, nef- no- nothing ever happened over that. And about 1975, though, uh, you know, I jumped from the 60s to, to 70s. Um, I hooked up with another guy uh, 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 that's from the Delta, uh, and he lived out in Dallas, and he and I, struck a deal and we started recording uh he got me he was a record promoter by the way mm-hmm. you know who i'm talking about I'm talking about ernie phillips oh yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. anyway he and i got hooked up i got the worst other. advice i ever got in my entire life when i was a teenager from him <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead really? anyway <laughs> let me tell you he he you know he gets he gets me a record deal with big tree records we do a song called uh thanks for the smile it charted in '75 at '61. Are we still in the in the pop genre? This was kind of more, yeah. This was kind of leaning toward country, right? A okay. little bit, okay. And then we did another song. We went to New York and recorded with Paul Vance, uh, and we did a song "Without Your Love, Mr. Jordan," which was kind of a novelty tune. And uh, that thing reached number forty-two for me. And then it was re-released. In 1976, strictly to the country folks. Yes, and it got up to number 13. Yeah, you almost had a top 10 there. Yeah, that's right. And and of course, it being a novelty song, man, you couldn't you couldn't hit the road with that. Yeah, and so that yeah, all of that didn't work out, and uh, so we went another direction. Uh, we got a deal with a, a, a company out of New York called Townhouse Records. You're just jumping we, all over the place and getting <laughs> deals everywhere. Well, it was amazing, man. And see, back in that, those days, I didn't know the work that went into something like that, Steve, kind of like you. But you kind of were like hands-on when you did your deals, right? Yeah, well, well, when I wasn't, it didn't make sense. So I, I needed to be, but I needed to learn how to be hands-on. It, mine, mine took a long time because... I was uh, I was caught between like genres, you know what I mean? And yeah, just growing do. up down here, that happens, and and things became more in boxes than probably in the way in the back. You just could be yourself. Well, I didn't even know who myself was, so I became hands on when I started to really know my identity and fight for it. So that that was another story, but but and it took time, like I said, but. Um, but okay, so you now you're on here. This is this the Merv Griffin Showtime. Yeah, this is a well. We we go to Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and we uh, we get uh, Tommy Brassfield and Walt Aldridge. Yeah, uh, I don't awesome. know if those names are familiar. With Absolutely, you, uh, they're great songwriters. Uh, and Brassfield has since passed away. And anyway, but they were they those two wrote "There Ain't No Getting Over Me" yeah. for Ronnie Millsap. So good. And great song. Anyway, we get to to, to Muscle Shoals uh, at Fame Recording Studios, and we we record, in my humble opinion, the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. We do an album called The High Cost of Loving that Tommy and Walt wrote. Uh, 
And was Rick Hall it. involved? Pardon me? Was Rick Hall involved? No, no. He, he came in and spoke to us. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, every now and then. But, uh, and, of course, Walt was a session player at Fame. So uh, there were a lot of good players down there. And anyway, we, we do the, the uh, album, and they get the strings and all that stuff put on in Nashville. And it comes out. High cost of loving hits the charts, man. Start smoking, moving up. Finally made it to that first column in the country charts. Uh, yeah. Got a, number 33, and that's when we started. And we went to, to Nashville. I mean, we went to Hawaii to do uh, Nashville on the road with uh, Jim Stafford and that whole crew of folks out there on the Big Island of Kona. We did, uh, we did that show, and I got to hang out with Bobby Goldsboro. How cool that was. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and, and we, we just rented a car one day and rode around the entire island of Kona, and him doing that stupid frog thing he does. Yeah. <laughs> ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. Yeah. You know, anyway, her, I, had a, I had a lot of great stories from him, and he was going through a bad time at the time, and, and uh, it just seems like that, that kind of put his mind at ease. And We did that. Then on the way back, Oh, and let me let me tell you about my suntan, man. Uh, I want to hear about it. <laughs> stupid Charlie, being from the Delta, man. I didn't know that being over there in Hawaii, you were close to the equator. <laughs> so I take my little white butt out there and get in that swimming pool, and I stay for five hours. <laughs> man, didn't feel a thing. No, get up you the did. next day, I've got blisters mm-hmm. on my back. On my, you know, <laughs> had to go to a doctor and get a shot so that stuff would go through my pores. Oh, my anyway. God. And I'm wearing boots the next day. We're shooting the show, oh. and I am dying. Yeah, you're miserable. Miserable. <laughs> yes. But anyway, that we finished that. We go back to L.A., and uh, I did the Merv Griffin show with uh, Tanya Tucker. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, Tanya was there, and that's that's when her and Glenn were big buddies. And, and we got to hang out, and you know we went to dinner and had a few drinks. That that night after the show, and it was it was a lot of fun, man. So I'm I'm meeting a lot of folks, man. Tanya hit up on you? I just need no. That. Okay, Heck no, sorry. man. <laughs> I was kind of hoping I love she Tanya. would. <laughs> <laughs> She's awesome, man. But anyway, that's uh, that was that story, and it was a it was a great ride while that happened too, man. And all of all, everything I've done, man, has been great, and I wouldn't change anything for, uh, you know. Uh, probably a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We're with the great Charlie Ross. My goodness, and you're in a Mississippi minute. We're gonna be right back. The name of the game is cheap, and the only rule is don't get caught. I said the name of the game is cheap. It's risky and the stakes are high. If you wanna win and play it again, you gotta be quick with the lie. In a Mississippi minute. With Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. She made me a bed of roses, but I couldn't sleep. She served me a bowl of cherries. I'm Steve Azar. We are with the voice of the Delta, Charlie Ross. When do you come back home? I came back home in uh, 1983. Okay, so I'm trying to think. 1983. All right. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And, and then, we came back home because my dad was in bad health, and I didn't okay. want to be in Nova Scotia if something happened to oh, my I dad. Get it. I wanted to be, be I close get it. to home. I get it. Well, home brings you back for a lot of reasons. And, oh, uh, yeah. And your folks and your kids and everything, man, it just matters so much. I get it. I get it. I get it. I, so 
when does radio start and how do you get on this side that every morning you're on 99.1 from max 99 right right uh, i can go to pine when i'm heading to little rock sometimes the airport i'm in pine bluff and i hear you i don't know what the wind's doing but all i know is you <laughs> you're reached you can hear you from all over the place it's a very powerful radio station max man i'm telling you steve it covers like uh 27 counties in mississippi and there are only 82 counties in the entire state, so that's like a third of the state. Yeah, your music's get, incredible, you pick, and, and your voice and just everything about it. I mean, it's, it, it wakes you up. I mean, great morning, guys. Uh, it's so funny that you, that you are that now. So you start as an artist, you become that, but you're still Charlie Ross. I mean, it's the yeah. Charlie Ross we all know. You're just being yourself, which that's the gift that you've been given by the man upstairs. That's what it is. Well, I appreciate the compliment, <laughs> man, but you know, what I tried to do in my career is never burn any bridges, man. I, I don't want anybody mad at me. You know what I'm saying? That's why I try to keep the show in the morning on a positive level. I, I don't want to talk about anything negative. We're going to have some fun and listen to a whole bunch of good rock and roll. That's because you got the heart and soul and compassion of an artist. That's what you are. Okay, <laughs> the Cracker Jacks. Yep. I mean, it's really it's legendary down here, right? And you guys play everywhere. So... Where does the vision for the Cracker Jacks come from? I got to tell you, when I got back to town in about 83, the latter part of 82, first part of 83, let me tell you, Tommy Ray, along with Vernon Murphy, Mickey Childress. Yeah, Mickey. And Tommy, uh, I mean, uh, David Luke. Saxophone player. Yeah. Which one was that? That was Vernon. Oh, Vernon. Yeah, Vernon. Vernon Vernon, Murphy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, That was Vernon, and they wanted to put a band together. And Tommy Ray actually came up with the name the Cracker Jacks, and they just changed the K, the C to a K, and they made the J an eighth note. Oh, yeah. It's almost so like you 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 threatened out clever in yourself, but you didn't. So that's good. <laughs> that's good work. But anyway, we 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 put that thing together, and we started playing, man, and uh, <laughs> you know playing the yacht club, and played at the you know Ramadi Inn, and you know doing those kind of gigs, and we were just. We were weekend warriors because we worked during the week and right. tried to play on the weekends and, and private parties and things like that. And it just started growing. And uh, we got a couple of guys from Delta State University to join the band, a uh, trumpet player and a trombone player, who I still have in the band, by the Love way. Love it. And uh, they all have families and all that kind of stuff. And we kind of evolved into like a, a horn band. Steve, there's nothing like a horn band, as you yeah. well know about the King's Men. You know oh, what I'm saying? I love it, man. It's just, just it, and I love it because Dr. Alfonso Sanders and Walter King are about as far away as personalities they can be. And I love it because, I mean, there's, um, there's miles and miles between the two as far as how they are. One loves to talk and, and just teach, and the other one loves to teach, but he's quiet, you know? Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. But, man, when they play together, oh, my goodness. <laughs> It's, it's awesome, man. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, we've been together uh, this past November 38 years. We've wow. gone through a lot of the, uh, a lot of changes in the band. Of course, we had three of the guys pass away. Uh, we had to replace yeah. those guys. And uh, we'd lose a guy in the Cracker Jacks. You lose one guy, and that's how we added the horn player. So we added two. <laughs> added well, two horn it. players. And, <laughs> and But still doing the same music that we've always done. Except we do it, I think, a lot better now. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd like to think we're getting better. I mean, you know, yeah. we are. And so, how many shows have you guys played? We, oh my goodness. Can you I even? I added it up last year. We did, 
Yeah, last year. And, and you know, working and holding down a job, all these guys work. Yeah. Uh, and playing on Saturday nights and uh, sometimes on a Friday night. Uh, we did about 180 shows last year. Last year? Yeah. My goodness. That's amazing. Y'all working hard. Y'all are working more dates than any successful act in the in Nashville, well, you know, LA, and New York. We don't, we, and we don't do any club. I don't even know if we should let anybody know. Maybe we should lead them into a different place because you guys are working too much. Well, we should. Uh, they can find us on the uh, internet. Okay. That's perfect. <laughs> well, Charlie, I, I man, I love catching up with you, and I just, I am so proud of you, and and just, you know, it's uh, you're one of the bright lights moving back, and just always getting to talk to you, and and you've been so good to us, so I, I can't thank you enough, and blessings, and let's just keep rolling, brother. Hey, man, and look, Steve, I want to thank you so much too, man. This means a lot to me. Not only were you a, a friend, a little young friend, <laughs> but you're also uh, uh, I'm also a big fan of Steve Azar. So, oh man! man. Well, I was uh, a pain in the butt when I was a little. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. What I loved about you guys, we'd be traveling down a road, man. I'd see that get wet with Steve Azar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's memories. Oh my goodness. Oh man, yeah, you did some good ones, and I love all your songs, man. I love the uh, Mississippi Minute song. I think that's great. Well, I love that we finally gave it a uh, a place, a home, you know, in the radio show. So, I, I think it's a perfect way to close. You've been in the Mississippi Minute. I have been with just an amazing man, Charlie Ross. What a career! You got to tune in, check him out on Max 99. Uh, check him out with the Cracker Jacks. Go back, dig, dig up this man's music, and uh, you will just be so satisfied. I'm Steve Azar. Later. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.